Hallo, ich bin Fauci Raschke Gaelic Song Stories im Podkrulloch für ein Bemische Dear Degreabach, a Torst Zul in Skielochen in Kuhl of Nanoren. Hallo und welcome back to Gaelic Song Stories with me, Dear Degream. This week's conversation focuses on the empowerment of women and their voice through a couple of walking songs. The songs we're looking at today may have been composed hundreds of years ago, but their message and subliminal messages still resonate with us today. It is a conversation that is challenging at times, with references to sexual assault, as well as dealing with shame and deception, but ultimately champions the strong women that overcame these experiences. Joining me today is my lovely friend and fellow Gaelic singer, Rachel Newton. Rachel is a solo artist and founder member of the She, the Furrow Collective and the Lost Word Spell Songs. She has worked across various platforms, including theatre and storytelling, previously winning a Critics Award for Theatre in Scotland. Rachel's albums To The Awe and Here's My Heart, Come Take It were shortlisted for a Scottish Album of the Year Award and she has been named Musician of the Year in both the BBC Radio 2 Folk Awards and the Scott Strad Music Awards. A founder of the Bit Collective, Rachel has organised various campaigns and events including the Trad Reclaimed Women in Folk Festival at King's Place, London in 2019. Rachel's work with the Bit Collective has long impressed me and she has worked tirelessly to address equalities issues in the Scottish traditional arts. In their mission statement, the Bit Collective aims to be a diverse and inclusive community of practice with the shared objective of instigating positive change by facilitating discussion and learning, providing support and inspiring progressive action. These actions are new, yet their reasons are not. And today we choose a walking song each that presents to us an injustice towards women. We explore the possibility of a feminist code embedded in the songs and the practice of these songs based on our own female intuition and experiences. We go on to discuss what these songs mean to us in a modern context. And finally, we try to find a positive resolution. I hope that it's an inspiring listen. It is only a starting point to a much wider conversation and I would love to hear your thoughts on these songs and these issues. So please do join me for this journey and let's celebrate our bold and brave women for their confidence in divulging their experiences and in supporting each other unconditionally. Rachel, thank you so much for being with me this afternoon and for agreeing to chat with me and having this conversation. It's super lovely to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me, Deirdre. It's great to be here. So this afternoon, I'd like us to start having a, a discussion about a couple of walking songs. Sure. And which are songs that are hugely important in the Gaelic song repertoire. And they're very insightful into women's voice in the Scottish Gaeltach. And so today we've we've chosen a song each and we're going to um, get our teeth into them and having a look at the messages that, that are conveyed in those songs. But then also it would be great for us to go on a bit of a journey where we where we come to some sort of resolve and enlightenment in the songs. So I think this is definitely you're a, a fantastic person to speak to on this subject matter with all your all your own work with the Bit Collective and your latest album to the Awe. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I think um, we spoke a little bit before this um, before we started this podcast about walking songs, and I think the more we talked about it, we realised what a kind of perfect kind of song form it is to to really kind of get our teeth stuck into that you know, those women's kind of real topics that are are really kind of come from women and are really important. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to getting stuck into that. Amazing. <laughs> um, right. So for anybody who's listening and isn't sure what a walking song is, let's just give a, a brief overview to this song type and... And then we can get stuck in with our choices. So a walking song is particular to the Scottish Gaeltacht and to our song repertoire, where it's 
traditionally sung by women, exclusively by women. And the songs came about uh, in conjunction with the work where the women of a community would come together and after a piece of cloth had been woven, the, the walking was the process of tightening that cloth and, f- and, and f- fooling that cloth so that there weren't any holes in the material. And it was a very laborious task um, that would take many hours. And as a result, the women of the, of the village would sing songs to accompany this rhythmic work where they would bash the cloth off the table. Um, that in itself creates a, a strong beat um, to work to. And I actually read something where it says that it was apparently bad luck for a walking song to be sung twice in a walking. Yeah, I think I read that too. There were, it was bad luck for the person that would be then wearing the the kind of piece of clothing or the, the piece of material. <laughs> so they had to kind of be mindful of that. Yeah, definitely. Which is brilliant. And that's yeah, an amazing yeah, image. That's a lot of new, that's a lot of, words isn't it to remember for them to, yeah, to, not, to not cover the, any ground twice <laughs> I love that. but there was a lot of ground to cover well indeed yeah, indeed yeah. absolutely <laughs> um so I think that's probably what, where my understanding of walking songs would have been as a child and my mm. access into them the women coming together the thickening of the cloth the laborious work the rhythmic songs that accompanied them and, um, but now kind of having a little look at the songs, there's a lot more kind of gutsiness that goes with them and the lyrics of the the words. What we want to look into today is actually a bit of a secret code almost that goes with those songs. Yeah, I think what's really interesting, yeah, I think firstly, like you were saying, that kind of from from childhood, we've been aware of that process, the actual process of the walking song and the work that was done. You know, it was always that story of that was was always mm-hmm. kind of ingrained in us from when we were singing them. And something about that is so important in itself, I think, just that there's not many songs that I know, you know, sort of folk songs from various whatever different cultures, whatever. That, that you can really imagine exactly the work that was being done. Yeah. Of course, there are there are different ones, but that's I suppose that's our one from our culture. And um, it really, I think it gives it this other sort of like t- more tangible um, yeah. connection that you have because you can really imagine these real people singing these songs. Um, and something that, that really, I suppose, struck me the older that I got, um, and having that in my in my mind, I think helped. But I think the older that I got, the more I realised that actually these songs, these people were real people, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that were singing these songs and, and writing these and making up these verses within the songs and things like that. They were actually real people, just like us, you know, exactly um, with real life experiences. Yeah, and that somehow, even though it's such an obvious thing, it, yeah, it, it really just sort of I think starts to hit home the older that you get yourself and the more you kind of understand that these things that are described in the songs that people go through are universal and things that happen to people that we know now and you yeah. know and and there's so many kind of modern parallels within within what goes on in the songs yeah absolutely i think you say that it's really obvious but i think it does take that moment to just strike you and you go Wow, because, yeah, that's certainly something when I was younger, I've always loved these songs because they've got a great melody and a really good hook with the choruses. And they're just, I find some of the songs just quite engaging as a fantasy story kind of thing. Mm. But then when you do have that light bulb moment to realise this is a person's life experience and and this life experience, their voice has been carried through the oral tradition for hundreds of years, there's something really um, pertinent about that and there's something that really strikes you and and I feel connects you, connects you deeper to the song and to the, the culture of the Highlands. Definitely, yeah. And there's so many, yeah, there's so many layers that you can connect to a song on, isn't there? Like you mm-hmm. say, the kind of great chorus, the the melody, all these things, but, um, but that kind of deeper connection where you sort of start to really relate to to what's actually going on in you know deeper into the song it, it's 
yeah, it really gives you that that sort of stronger connection to it. Um, and as you mentioned about the, the coding, you know, that's something that that we've been I think we've been thinking about um, both of us, isn't it? Um, yeah. uh, and reading about. Um, but yeah, that idea of, oh, you can sort of listen to, to words on one level. And then mm-hmm. actually when you start to think about what, what's going on, what does that mean? What what are they actually actually saying within that? Then things get really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, coding is uh, something that is a new concept to me. But again, it's like, oh, yeah, this makes sense, of course. Coding might be described as a feminist strategy to support... I'm actually going to look up the wee quote just now, okay? Yeah. So coding is something that we find in literature uh, that Joan Radner and Susan Lancer um, have defined as the expression or transmission of messages potentially accessible to a bicultural community under the very eyes of a dominant community for whom the same messages are inaccessible or inadmissible. So I think this is a really interesting concept that we find this in in walking songs as well, where the the lyrics that are being sung have an undercurrent in them or potentially have an undercurrent because sometimes with coding if it's implicit coding we can't say for absolute certain that this is happening it's it's uh they're quite well they're coded you know they're disguised within the song that there's a deeper meaning to them and that idea where you have a dominant culture and people who are being domin- dominated um where the the women in this particular instance are being dominated and the dominant culture being men, but also community pressure, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Kind of um, dictating what can be said openly. And, And the reason for coding, I suppose, because if you do or did speak openly at those times, you could encounter risk and whether that's being shamed or whether that's you know what to whatever level that risk is to speak out openly about something that's being experienced at that time was dangerous in some circumstances so coding doesn't only exist in walking songs it's it's across you know it's global but it's something that dominated groups have um created and needed uh, to survive and to communicate messages. Yeah, and um, I suppose an interesting thing about walking songs is that the very nature of the walking song itself, um, I think we were reading, um, we were both reading the um, essay by uh, Margaret Harrison, um, and she touches on that, I think, um, just saying, you know, the actual, the the, the kind of a- action of, of, doing, of doing the walking and, uh, you know, the rhythm and everything that goes along with it is almost kind of that almost kind of distracts from from yeah. these kind of really um sometimes very kind of serious messages that are coming you know and, and obviously there's a lot of light-heartedness um as well mixed in but sometimes you have you know you get to these really serious incidences that have happened to people mm-hmm. and and that and they're sharing that but within this kind of context of of quite a light-hearted environment almost yeah. you know um yeah which is interesting. So that kind of touches on two strategies of coding, your distraction and your trivialization, I think, where your distraction would be the actual beating of the cloth on the table. It's loud. It's, you know, the actual physical sound that's created. It can sound be physical. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the actual sound that's created from this just can't, it can be used as a distraction technique for the lyrics that are being openly voiced. And the other word, the other thing we were, ta- you know, you were saying the lightheartedness that can be the sound kind of cheery and the women joining in and singing all together on the choruses. That kind of happiness, kind of again, well, I suppose it's distraction, but the happiness can almost trivialize. Oh, it's just a fun. Oh, it's just gossip. Mm-hmm. You know these songs. It's just a fun song. And that, uh, and to trivialise it, and then and the sound of the bashing and the interruption of the chorus is coming in, in between your lines, 
can totally take the attention away from the the subject matter and which in many cases of walking songs although not at all exclusively but in many cases walking songs are unhappy mm. and they have that yeah, yeah element to them yeah mm-hmm. yeah so there's a, a crazy statistic uh, that Margaret Harrison uh, touches on and she's talking about a collection of songs by Casey Craig on Marion and Alistair's walking songs. Not at all ex- the uh, the full repertoire of walking songs in Scottish Gaelic, but a really good indication of their kind of subject matter. It says, the number of light or happy songs among the men's songs is almost double of what the women's songs repertoire was. Um, so the 11 light-hearted songs in the male voice make up a full 48% of men's songs, as opposed to five light-hearted songs in the female voice, which make up 5% of women's songs. Mm. So that imbalance there where you've got men's songs that are kind of half and half light-hearted and, and heavy, but then with female songs are 95% heavy and 5% light-hearted is a really clear indication of the kind of stuff that women were talking about and they were transmitting to each other through oral literature or songs. Yeah. Just touching on that, on the, the men's songs, obviously yeah. it'd be women singing those, wouldn't it? They, would it? Yeah. In the, in the walking, because it's, a walking song so it's it was a yeah woman's. that's something um, that confused yeah. me actually <laughs> um but I, re- I i read I, I don't know if it was in the same article or not but um something that was quite funny about it was uh quoting from a one of those male male voice walking mm-hmm. songs and uh and it was all like basically about this guy and how great he was <laughs> and it was it was sort of suggesting that there was maybe an element of like tongue in cheek to yeah, the women yeah, singing yeah, yeah. that <laughs> which i just just as a little aside i just thought that was quite funny yeah, i think those women you know they were they were sassy bold women and they knew just how to play words and really give kind of um authority to their own voice but also kind of um just Oh no! Oh no! Punches take no prisoners. You know, just <laughs> yeah, just yeah. they were they were empowered. I think within that kind of setting. Yeah, and I think that you know, and just thinking, yeah, thinking about their treatment of the songs, how where they how that came about. There's so much. There's so much importance on the context, isn't there? Where, yeah. With that, and I think that's what maybe makes it interesting for those of us who perform who want to perform these songs mm-hmm. now it's like what yeah you know that it's a very different context isn't it mm-hmm. that you're bringing these songs into um and of course that they've been brought into for for years you know um it's a the whole context is different and how do we how do we kind of approach that as people singing it now it, the leap or the advances we've made as a society from the 1950s until now is phenomenal, you know, for female empowerment. But then these songs are kind of going from hundreds of years ago. So what I'm trying to say is our context now is so much, has developed so much since in the last 80 years in such a short period of time. Whereas the context for those songs really was quite a rooted society where this dominated group it didn't have that voice that we have now. Does that make any sense? In the the voice in in the, in what sense? In what 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 is the voice that in that con- like? What do you mean by the voice? I think the confidence to speak out mm, mm-hmm. and to, without coding, to actually mm-hmm. say directly things that have happened and and the confidence to to say to to somebody or to a society something that's not acceptable or to stand up to a person. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that yeah, so that sort of environment in which people in which was kind of safe to talk about things mm-hmm. was maybe that that walk well, round the table 
you know, and and, yeah. and and women felt like they could they could say these things. Yeah, I I think so. Although one thing that's interesting is sometimes the songs might not say this happened to me, no, but this happened to another person and whether it did happen to that other person or whether it happened to them but they've used a distraction technique to actually um still offer some sort of protection to their voice yeah to what they were saying and that's maybe something that you could relate to 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 now and Mm -hmm. you know um things like the me too movement or something like that where it is you know i I know you say things have progressed and they of course they have on one level but on another level you know, there's a lot, like, there's a lot that has some, some things that have kind of got worse and some things that have got better. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and I wonder whether, you know, and that idea of one woman speaking out leading to other women being able to speak out, you know, that, that's still, that, that's a very modern thing still. Like, it's still something yeah. that. Actually, do you know, I'm thinking on it. It's almost like I'm thinking of when pe- people speak out on social media and they might share their story mm. and, you might share it on your stories rather than add your own voice to it. But in sharing to it, you're, you can, to some extent, align yourself with that without putting your own actual experience onto yeah. that. And, and possibly the walking songs were doing the same thing. So that's an, sort of amplifying. You're you're amplifying someone hmm. someone's story. Um, and like you say, that's maybe something that that women were doing yeah. then in the yeah. walk round the round the table about amplifying someone else's story. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Shall we? <laughs> Shall we get stuck into our songs then? Yeah, let's do it. Amazing. Okay, so um, a song that I sing and I love, I think I actually first really enjoyed the song because I was hooked in by the melody. It's got a really interesting melody. So again, coming at it from that, from a different aspect to the actual deeper meaning of the song. And it's a walking song connected to Bara, attributed to Bara. And um, it's a song that I think it starts quite typical of many Gaelic walking songs the woman is going up the hill to tend to the cattle and when she's there she's speaking to somebody and asking the news of Doll Down or Brown Haired Donald and then the song kind of takes a turn where she hears that he's betrothed to another and then her outpouring of grief is really heavy. So she, she first of all, she goes on to say, if I hear that the news is true, I would draw blood and cut my veins. And like, I, I find this so sur- surprising to have a really gritty, really um, deep lyric like that, quite ex- Bozing, isn't it? It's mm, there's, yeah. it's just so heavy, and then the song goes on. There's the song's kind of in two segments. It's two um, versions of a song put together, and then she says, "What is it? I forgotten the words." <laughs> okay, Kitake Rachin Sahala, Hyalt in your fair down gun honour, Rain Molep and Boon and Dorish, Hook Vua Mofatur and Koroch, which means, Why should I go to call to see the dishonourable man who made my bed by the door, who took my rosary? And it's those lines in the song that really kind of, oh, kind of punch me a bit and um, make me wonder what's, what's happening here. And, um, I think that the line, he took my rosary, you know, I find that really upsetting. Um, From what I know about rosary beads, they support and facilitate prayer. And to rip them away, to take them from a person is like a metaphor for it's damaging their faith. And it's, um, it's stripping them of their ability to pray. And 
I think what what's happened in this in this song, not only has she been stripped of her rosary beads, but the other line before it that says, um, "The dishonourable man who made my bed at the at the door." My understanding of that would be that they've entered into some sort of sexual relationship. He's potentially taken her virginity from her. And if we look at the context of society back then, that would be probably an act where it would probably lead to marriage. And it's like he had no intention of that happening. And so she's been stripped of her rosary beads, but she's been stripped of her purity or her virtues, you know, of to use that term that's, Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shuddering yeah. here, but to take yeah. to take that from her, on the understanding that a marriage contract would ensue, mm-hmm. but it didn't, and then all the emotion that comes with that, you can start to see the grief unpouring with the with the when she hears that he's betrothed to another, almost that realization for her of none of it was ever going to happen for us. Yeah. And also that she probably won't be able to get married. Like, she might not be able to get married to someone else because she's, you know... I yeah. Mean, I don't... You know, slept she's, with someone. she slept with someone already and, and yeah. that, that's how things maybe were at that time that you that you were kind of... The awful phrase, damaged goods, you know. Oh, but, like, yeah. that's, like... Which is, you know, it's still... It's still a phrase that's used sometimes it for people, is, yeah. but obviously not. You know, in in a, in a lot of cultures now, it's not. That's not such a big deal, you know, to to the sort of society. But mm-hmm. but it is definitely still still a, a thing that happens to people. You know, it definitely um, is. There's another level in the song as well where the, the guy that she's betrothed to is. Uh, oh, sorry, that she's not the guy that she's. Um, Actually, interestingly, she still calls him Ekdal Down Luch Mochele, which is Donald Down, uh, brown haired Donald, my dearest love. And she, she's still referring to him as her love. And then she's hearing of him being betrothed to somebody else, to the daughter of the Earl of the White Sails. And that then kind of indicates that he was from high society. And if she was, you know, on the hills tending to the cattle, there's a class difference there. And if he's marrying the daughter of the Earl of the White Sails, you know, there is no chance that he, he was ever, yeah, ever going to be with her. It says a lot, doesn't it? The, the it does. Of, that it's... class, that element of class coming into it. And that's something that comes in a lot, isn't it, as well? Yeah. Um, there was a, a, part, a, um, a part again from Margaret Harrison's essay mm-hmm. that we both read um, about what you were just talking about um, that I thought was interesting. It just says, um, it's talking about a a specific song, but it says one might also note the lack of explicit anger against the man who essentially destroyed destroyed the girl's life. This too is a common trend in walking songs for the attitudes of female characters towards rapists in this case of this song can often be perceived as somewhat ambivalent, which is quite interesting. Really interesting. It kind of, I don't know, it just gives me just that sinking feeling. You know, I think the the deception is on so many levels. You know, it's it's a physical level, an emotional level, a class level, uh, and then going back to what you were saying about society and, and damaged goods. You know, it's that society at that time. That sorry, that's where I'm meaning that the the dominant voice is not just the man in this song, but also society mm. where she would have actually been shamed. Um, yeah. And her reputation just ruined. And actually maybe, I don't know, I'm not at all an expert on this, um, but yeah, maybe that is partly, I don't know why that kind of blame doesn't always go to the the, the sort of perpetrator as such. It's because mm. it's, it actually probably the biggest thing about it was that kind of shame and that kind of community Mm. as you say kind of potentially turning its back on you for something like that having happened to you you know um you you have this wider kind of 
issue of yeah. that and and maybe that almost overshadows the actual experience that you've gone through somehow um, yeah i don't know yeah but. what i find hopefully encouraging in this though is that whoever that woman was and she was someone her voice is still here today we still sing her song and those lyrics so i hope that she had that confidence to voice those words and whether that was in that group of women in the community in the walking whether it was to them directly or in some form she must have confided in somebody for this song to be in existence today and yeah. I hope my, my hope on, a, on the walking songs when I think of those women is that they were a support network yeah yeah yeah, that were they were hearing that, you know, at least, and that's such a huge part of it is to to hear things, isn't it? I suppose that that kind of leads on in a way to um, what's been interesting, what's kind of been interesting me, and um, what I've been thinking about recently about whether or not to sing songs mm. that include, you know, violence against women or, you know, wrong serious wrongdoings like that, yeah. you know, um, because. I think that's a really interesting point, that idea of actually amplifying these stories and and sharing these stories and letting them live on is is really that's really important actually. Cause mm-hmm. I think sometimes you can one can think, or I you know, I've certainly thought, is it right to be singing these songs? Um some you know, certainly just some of them that are that are really violent or or whatever. But mm-hmm. um but actually, yeah, that's suppose that's a counter argument to that. It's like that kind of sharing these stories but I suppose I haven't I don't feel like I've come to any sort of conclusion with with that yeah. but I suppose another like the con the word context again like feels like it's really important it's it's all mm-hmm. about the context in which you sing it and how how it's communicated I suppose to an audience whatever that audience might be um because again like like I was saying earlier that I suppose what I meant about the context of the walking the group of people mm-hmm. doing you know it wasn't so much the context of the kind of wider kind of political and social situation it was more just the context of those people singing that you know around and who they were communicating to they were communicating to each other yeah. a small group of women of all different ages in yeah. a very tight-knit community whereas you know we're bringing these songs to a very different yeah <laughs> kind of audience um and it's it's a very different context to to put them in um and yeah that responsibility that that you might feel sort of putting them out there and how how to frame them and how and it feels like quite a responsibility absolutely um, you feel the same but yeah how to frame them when when you when you're in a performance setting as well, you only get that snapshot of an opportunity to frame them. So th- <laughs> yeah. there is quite a responsibility there. And and larger than that's what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of in performance terms, you know, on a stage or, mm. or, or whatnot. Then you're setting a tone for an evening. Mm. Um, and how you impart that information and put the, the song across can really... Um, you can draw an audience in totally, but you know it's there's quite a sway that you can have on the tone for the evening. I'm way off on a different tangent here, no. but that it kind of brings us to as well the something that I that I think on is I think there can sometimes be a tendency to laugh. Oh, you know this is a a really cheery song, you know, and <laughs> and and try to lighten that mood again when you are in a performance setting. Yeah. And I think it's something that we we all do or have done. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think nowadays perhaps that responsibility we have to the women a few hundred years ago and to our audience to kind of, you know, as an informed, educated, intelligent audience as well. Um, is to to frame it in a way accordingly. Yeah, and and it doesn't have to be like it. It doesn't have to mean that you can't be lighthearted in some yeah. on some level. Um, 
well sure they were when they were yeah, you know yeah, doing the, yeah, the walking themselves totally. but I think I think we're all definitely guilty of having done that I certainly know I am of mm-hmm. of oh here's another miserable thought yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and and really kind of yeah I, and sometimes maybe diminishing the song you know by doing mm-hmm. that and and almost kind of being sort of apologetic for singing yeah. serious like songs that are that are challenging and and have challenging material but it's like well that was these people's lives that's what happened to somebody and and actually yeah I don't know if the audience yeah you don't have to apologize to the audience yeah. for <laughs> for that and actually the more I've certainly found the more that that you do apologize the more the audience are like oh yeah all your songs are miserable you know because yeah. you kind of told them they are and, and you've kind of made that but then maybe you know, you're using that distraction technique yeah you know <laughs> sublimin subliminally how'd you say that word subliminally but maybe you are using that distraction again to kind of um whether it's shroud the song and to protect the song or or protect yourself because mm. that's your voice kind of performing yeah. it and framing it and so in, in some level it could be a distraction in itself so you don't go yeah here's, here's a yeah. heavy story for you yeah and actually you know like we talked about earlier the more you know the we were talking about that kind of oh we love we just like the melodies and we like this yeah, and that yeah, yeah. And, and you kind of you know as you get older and more you know you think about it more you you think oh god you know and you start to be maybe the same age as the person in the song or yeah. whatever and you and or you might have a similar experience or something like that and yeah. you, you think god wow it, it really sort of starts to hit home what you're actually singing um and actually that can be quite hard you know like to perform um yeah. there's a song that that i sing with um, the Furrow Collective, one of my bands, and it's actually it's an English song. It's not a Gaelic song, but um, I've I've actually had to stop singing it because it's so you know it's it's a really really heavy song, um, mm-hmm. and I couldn't even intru- I couldn't introduce it actually because I couldn't. I found it really difficult to talk about it um, just because wow. it was so dark, and I I felt at the time it was really important to sing it. Um, but I did, somebody did ask me like, why, why do you sing that song? It's so, you know, it's so kind of dark and violent and, and, and actually the, the woman kind of, kind of wins out in the end and, and that she, she kind of survives and, and says, look, um, you know, she, she never kind of gives in to, to him, uh, like her kind of, she never gives in her spirit sort of thing mm-hmm. to, to this guy. Um, and that's kind of the point to me of the song and that's why I felt like it was an important song and important to tell that story like we talked about but actually at the end of it every night at the gig I'd just be kind of shaking like (laughs) really kind of struggling to kind of do the next song whatever that might be or whatever um and that's yeah that's definitely the most I've ever felt kind of affected by a song and not not it wasn't because I'd experienced anything to do with it it was just Mm -hmm. I think I suppose just you you know you really kind of get into it. you've got that empathy you've got to have that empathy exactly and yeah. when we I remember when we recorded it myself and the others in the band we were all kind of in tears you know like wow. recording it and yeah and and then it was just like actually I don't think I can I can sing that live anymore you know <laughs> and that was you know and that was the life of that for me and you know moved on and um but yeah I I don't know where I was going with that really but just <laughs> that kind of idea of I think we are feeling these things more the more we get old, you know, the older we get and the more aware we are. And, and so it is, yeah, it, you start to question why and how and, mm-hmm. and in what context to sing certain songs. Yeah. And I think with Gaelic songs, um, there's more of, you know, you often you might be singing to an audience where not everybody can actually understand the song, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, you know, when you sing English ballads, when I do um a lot of people aren't listening to the words anyway so, so you know there's there is kind of you still have to contextualize it a lot of the time but um it's, but obviously with with Gaelic songs there's there's going to be people in the audience that don't that don't have Gaelic and therefore you really have to think about how to contextualize the song and how to explain it beforehand mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um and yeah I think I think with some of these songs it, it really kind of you really feel like I, I really want to understand how to 
how to put this across. Mm. That that was actually the reason why with my album I released last year, I was quite aware that most people listening wouldn't understand the songs. And so I decided to go big so that you could, <laughs> if you're not going to understand the lyrics, you will understand the emotion mm-hmm. because you can feel it through that music. I think that's that's quite a privilege as musicians that we can present these songs in that way. You know, in a can, new context, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And using kind of instruments and, and arrangements and everything to really kind of get emotion across because music is so emotional. You know, it, it yeah. can be just this massively emotional response. So Yeah, and it can um, tell a story of its own, I suppose. Yeah. Through yeah, through that that music. Yeah. Yeah. So this is just a few wee verses from Wachandu. <laughs> Nancy Lincoln Piatus Gale, he delineous hook of all. Horstein full skink yadin fee, you nahili diahu, he be a relates to what we were just talking about in a way mm-hmm. um so this is a song that um it's called Erenari, which is i slept last night uh, on the shilling um yeah it, i found this version of it um on tober and dulchish mm-hmm. uh, kister rich's website which is where i find most of <laughs> loads of songs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's such a brilliant resource it's um wonderful. and uh yeah this is um I think that's Captain Donald Joseph McKinnon, uh, originally from Barra, another Barra. Well, <laughs> um, Barra's so well known for its walking songs as well. Yeah, of course. Just so much yeah. collected from um, it. It's amazing. Yeah, so he, I think he later lived in South Uist. But, um, mm. but yeah, and it's I was kind of searching for songs, I suppose with that in, in mind, what I was just talking about, that idea of when I did my last um, solo album, I was looking for songs where the, the woman... Uh, wins in the yeah. end um you know it's um yeah it's quite hard actually when you start looking for songs like that it's actually quite hard to find them you know there yeah. are you know there are of course there are songs like that but yeah um it, it did strike me that you know often and like like we talked about often people are singing because they want to share something that's happened you know a grievance or something you know yeah. something that's happened to them so it's only natural that that they might not be winning, you know, at that moment in time or whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah. Th- that was kind of, I suppose, why um, this song kind of really spoke to me. Um, and in this song, um, it does. It is a heavy song. It's not. It's not a light-hearted song by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I suppose, and I don't know if. But, you know, bearing in mind this idea of coding and this idea of setting up a story and then actually having mm-hmm. another story going on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that was going on in this song. I don't know. Um, I guess it's worth pointing out about the coding, though. It's not to say that it's necessarily there. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it might be that, you know, she, but what, what she does is she talks up in the song, the, the woman, the protagonist of the song, um, talks about her love you know it, she's talking about missing 
this man that she that she loves and um and that's kind of where the song's going at first mm-hmm. um and then it develops into um you know she's she's there she's you know she's at the shilling she's there on her she's in a place on her own um and she is a, becomes aware of somebody there um and and i suppose she's i suppose that kind of idea of her love that she was talking about kind of sets up that because in it the next thing she's saying is it, she realizes it's not that's not who it is it's mm-hmm. somebody else um and it the, in the song it's a it's another man and he it, it's basically d- describing a sexual assault yeah really um or at least an attempt at mm-hmm. um because she ends up basically beating him up <laughs> and, um and uh that yeah sort of he hits his head on a a stone, I think, and uh, and that's yeah, that's kind of where where we leave where we leave her in this version wow. anyway. Um, There's quite a sinister line in that song, is there not? Where she senses somebody there, and she gets like a shudder, but it's not from the cold. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Which is really yeah, it really sets it up, doesn't it? it kind mm-hmm. of, it's mm-hmm. a really, I think it's a great storytelling song actually. Um, yeah. It's got the plot twist, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like a movie. Totally, yeah, and you can really, yeah. It's, I felt like quite often when, when with songs, I feel like ones that I want to sing are ones, you know, especially with uh, traditional songs that are telling a story. Mm-hmm. It's like you really want to imagine it in your head, you know, like a good book. Definitely. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's what's so brilliant about traditional songs like yeah that, that's that's what they do um, but not all of them do it really well but I feel like this one does that really well and that's yeah for that's sure what, what I really liked about it I think you know I, I think if you think about that in a wider sense of just like uh, Scottish oral literature being songs and poems and stories be, in in a wider sense then you know they were literature stories and songs were at just the, it was drenched in in people's uh, sorry, people's lives were drenched in it. It was at every level of society, so they were kind of um, really top class storytellers because that was that was so innate for them. Yeah, that's just it was everyday yeah life all day. Whether so, it was the yeah. the clan chiefs and the bards mm-hmm. for the clan chiefs, or whether it was the the woman with the walking or whether it was just the the people in the village kind of totally, yeah yeah I mean yeah when you think about with the walking songs you know sitting around and like sitting around with all your kind of female friends or or family or peers or people in your community and having to just sort of make up some like I just, just fills me with fear I'd be terrible at that I know <laughs> so would I <laughs> it's amazing you know like you say just the kind of level yeah, of storytelling and, and yeah. yeah such quick wittedness quick that... wittedness and complex <laughs> structures to fit yeah. them into yeah for yeah. sure yeah. and just the sheer volume of songs you know in general yeah it's just I don't know it's just amazing I mean I know obviously there are lots of new songs cropping up you know but but people are now like I'm a songwriter and that's mm-hmm. my thing and you know whereas then it was like yeah it felt it seems like it was just such a kind of grass like roots level like base level yes, thing that, that was just you know in people's yeah. what people were doing yeah which is lovely yeah um sorry i jumped in <laughs> on you there you were saying about your song yeah well i mean i suppose that's it really it's it's yeah it, it was that that kind of idea of i suppose overcoming um these advances um and and kind of telling that story again mm. you know that idea of sharing that experience um that I, I just felt like was really um, kind of chimed with me, especially at the mm-hmm. time with the work that I was doing um, with the Bit Collective, as you mentioned, which mm-hmm. is a, a group kind of um, looking at, well, it's looking at issue, issues of equality in folk and traditional mm-hmm. music. But it, at that point, um, we were really looking at um, sexual assault um, and... Um, abuse of power um mm-hmm. in the music scene um that that was something well I mean it still is but at, at that at that yeah. point where I was making that album it, it was a you know something that we were really dealing with because it was coming really coming to the fore um Absolutely. for what felt like kind of like felt like the first time in our in our sort of community mm-hmm. um in sort of folk and traditional music um and really kind of being addressed 
in a much more open way than I than certainly I'd ever experienced before. So it felt, yeah, just having kind of a song from, you know, that was yeah. from all that time ago that was actually sharing an experience like that um, just felt really important to include that in what I was doing at the time. And, um, and again, it's just that feeling of, you know, and that's why that's why I do it. And I think that's probably a lot, big reason why you do as well, is what yeah. I guess, but like that kind of the really, you know, it's so relatable, that, that material and that kind of reminder that these people were just like us and had yeah. this, had similar experiences and all of that, you know, it's, it's so special to be able to sing these songs. Yeah, it really is. It's, and even bringing back to just that feeling of emotion, you know, it, it is an emotional thing to kind of, and a, and a privilege to be able to sing these songs. It certainly aligns my thoughts and kind of gives power to my voice. I think, yeah, it feels like for me as well, it kind of keeps, it keeps my interest in traditional song, in Gaelic song. Mm. It, it keeps that spark, you know, that, that fire, um, going for me um to 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 sort of be able to recognize things that I'm hearing about from the from today you know from the modern time to hear those experiences happening in these older songs these traditional songs it feels yeah, like that's it just keeps you know that relevance I suppose going for me that kind of makes me think a little bit of how I, I spoke to the William Stewart a few weeks back um, who gave an amazing chat about just a, an overview of kind of the development of Gaelic song through 17th, 18th century. And one of the things that he said is that he doesn't like to use, for his scholars to use the word tradition because it makes it static. It puts mm. it on a, uh, it, it sets it in stone almost, you yeah, know. Yeah. And actually, you know, even back in the 18th century, people were thinking back to older songs and being inspired by them and yeah. tweaking them for their time. And it's exactly what we are doing now. So it's um, when you're saying it keeps that spark of interest in you, these songs, it's it's a continuation of this culture, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I love that idea of, yeah, yeah. Of, of, you know, that's that's a sort of continuum isn't it yeah you know? mm -hmm. exactly and I, and I suppose when you think back to the olden days you know <laughs> and you think to those people they were drawing on other people's experiences their lived real experiences as well and you know the the things that we're talking about today kind of dominant and dominated um community pressures, societal pressures, um, shame, um, kind of a secret voice, um, sexual violence, assault, all of these things have carried. And people within the Gaelic and across the world, but what we're looking today at, it's Gaelic song, you know, people have continually had those experiences, shared them with each other, been influenced by them and it just goes on and on and on and I love mm. I love the idea that here we are today you know I don't love the idea that we're still having this conversation and that these kind of injustices still happen and there's a need still to code if, if everything was equal there wouldn't be a need to code you yeah, know yeah. um but we're continually um adding our voices hopefully in a positive way that will then continue and help people going forwards and i think like that responsibility um to do that feels to me like you know i think often um i want to find another word for traditional music now i know but, i was um, like oh i can't say that now but you know often i think something that we are told a lot um growing up um with with this music and and sort of you know, is this responsibility of preserving the tradition? I say mm. that in, a, in quote marks, but yeah, um, yeah. But actually, I think what, what what we maybe touched on earlier, what feels much more relevant to me, which isn't actually that different, mm -hmm. um, 
but is actually that responsibility of carrying these stories and these experiences, especially yes. I think you know when you're you know these women's experiences. Um, I think like that responsibility, or or not so much responsibility, but just responsibility to I suppose to care for the context in which you mm-hmm. tell those stories feels like a much more um, relevant to me anyway way of. Yeah, thinking about my responsibility to the tradition. <laughs> yeah, in quotes, yeah. You know. and, and you're right, it's not too much of a shift to kind of think no. in it in those terms. Yeah. No, but it feels, it just feels a bit more human. Yeah. You know, it kind of humanizes it a little bit more. Definitely. I, I, I kind of feel as well, <laughs> my mind's just gone wandering, but you know, when you're a child, you're told to stay away from the woods and from cliffs and lochs and there's monsters and there's all these things and and you know those le- uh, those stories to some level are warning children of danger and whether it's the actual danger of falling off a cliff or you know um getting lost in the woods or whether it's just kind of embedding that sense of awareness and being safe in your environment from a very young age. And mm. maybe these walking songs, when we were accessing them as children, the community, the women, the gossiping, maybe that was our almost initiation into those songs. Yeah, and as we get yeah. older, the responsibility, or the not the responsibility, but that kind of, that's been so embedded in us that we had those foundations for us now to go, I understand this a lot deeper now. And yeah we can take it forwards and and so framing it and to your audience or bring it forwards or sharing it and teaching it or whatever is passing on that just awareness and that kind of you know definitely that same sense yeah definitely just the last three verses of of the song um of uh It's got such sass in it. Such a great, Break such them. a great song, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> this has been really, really lovely. Oh. Do you know, it's it's so nice to have this conversation, and um, on the one hand, to to feel empowered by it, but also to acknowledge. I'm not an expert on it, and there yeah. there are hunches. Yeah. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> But I, I think these conversations are things that have been mulling in both of our heads. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really good to talk it through with somebody. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's no real conclusion to be drawn in a way, is exactly, there? Exactly, yeah. But it's it's really nice to explore it with somebody who, yeah, who totally gets it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, well, neither of us get it. That's no, neither of us get it at all. But we're, <laughs> we're trying to. We're exploring it. Yeah, yeah we're exploring it. Exactly. really lovely. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really you. nice because I think sometimes these conversations can, yeah, mull over your head and just to get that kind of, um, that solidarity with somebody. <laughs> yeah, and, definitely. And we'll forge a path together yes keep learning (laughs) keep chatting (laughs) exactly thank you so so much for sharing your time with me and sharing your thoughts and sharing your songs and um that's really been such I, i hope that we've what we've done is taken these songs that are are deep and heavy but they are because they happened and they have to be spoken about quite frankly or or coded, but they but they're said, and I hope what we've done is take them into a place of a bit of hope. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So thank you very, very, very much for your time. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been lovely. 
I'd like to extend my grateful thanks again to Rachel for so openly sharing her thoughts on this conversation. You can check out her music via her website, www.rachelnewtonmusic.com, as well as her work with The Bit Collective, www.thebitcollective.co.uk. Another thanks is due to Sheem Innes, a lecturer at the University of Glasgow, who, after a chance encounter, kindly and helpfully pointed me in the direction of the articles from which we quoted today. I'd love to hear your feedback on what these songs mean to you and how you feel we can present these voices going forward. If you enjoyed this episode, then please do share and review it. Also, check out the other episodes in this series if you haven't done so already. Finally, if you haven't yet subscribed, then please do so. The background music you hear is taken from my album Urunthe, which is available through my website www.deirdregriam.com, as well as on the usual streaming platforms. Before I go, I'd like to extend my ever grateful thanks to Creative Scotland for supporting this project. I look forward to sharing more Gaelic song stories with you, and I hope that you'll join me the next time. Chunanorshing, Bianach Glaive. <laughs>